Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of My Climate Diet, the podcast where I'm shedding the pounds of greenhouse gas emissions. I'm Lisa Pettibone, sustainability freak and climate geek. Today's episode, potato, potato. I said that I'm focusing on seasonal produce this month and that I've challenged myself and make a dish with a different local seasonal ingredient each week. You may have noticed that I've been off the last two weeks, and you may suspect that means I haven't been doing so well on this challenge. If that's what you think, you are not incorrect, but we'll get to that. To start, I wanted to talk about why should we care about eating in season? Surprise, not all food is grown and harvested in all seasons of the year, and Although we have technologies that allow us to feel warm and comfortable even when it's cold and wintry outside, that's energy intensive and not so climate friendly. Think about in winter, the extra heat and light that you need to make up for the fact that Mother Nature doesn't give us warmth or sun, and you can imagine all of that adds to your carbon budget. Now imagine all of the produce you like to eat requiring all those extra inputs to grow. In other words, growing food out of its normal season is especially energy intensive. Some produce is grown in greenhouses with additional heat and water requirements. Other produce is grown in hotter regions further from where we eat it, requiring additional transportation. Both of these things lead to greenhouse gas emissions and They take us away from the natural cycles of the planet. At the same time, because so much of this activity happens in long supply chains that are invisible to us, we as consumers of food have become immune to the seasons. If you can get a tomato every day of the year, you may forget when they're naturally grown. Do you know when tomatoes can be harvested in your area? This isn't just a theoretical problem. Yesterday, I took a group of students to an urban garden in Matsan so that they could plant some vegetables. One of the students on the way to the garden said that he was hungry and asked if there were any tomatoes in the garden because he would love a tomato as a snack. Now, I turned to the woman I co-teach the class with and just shook my head. I thought, this is mid-April in Berlin. Obviously, there aren't any tomatoes that are ripe. Now is perhaps the time to start planting tomato plants, but there hasn't been enough sun or enough warmth for tomatoes to be ripe yet. But even as I was internally tutting this student, I thought, isn't this part of a larger problem that we don't necessarily know when food should be available in our region because we can just go to the supermarket and see that it's always there. So, What I wanted to focus on this month was becoming more sensitive to when food is available in Germany, and specifically where I live in Berlin. I'm no expert here. I have a vague notion of what grows when, but it's by no means complete. So for example, I've lived in Germany about 10 years now, and some types of produce have a huge seasonal rollout that has its own cultural landmarks. So for example, white asparagus in Germany is a pretty big deal. And you see it in local restaurants advertised as Spargelzeit or asparagus time. 
and German restaurants and even non-German restaurants will have a special asparagus menu to take advantage of the white asparagus that's only available from about April to May. In addition, strawberries have their own strawberry carts that come out in the summer that you can buy on the street from about May to August, I'd like to say. This also reinforces our understanding that strawberries are available in summer. It makes them a special treat to have them only available at certain times of year. And I know definitely with the Spargelzeit that I make a point of buying white asparagus at least once every year during the season, cooking it myself. I like to make steamed asparagus tips with hollandaise sauce and potatoes. Uh, That's a traditional German dish. And then I like to take the asparagus broth that comes from steaming the asparagus and make an asparagus cream soup out of that. But asparagus and strawberries are the exceptions that prove the rule. With most produce, I'm not totally sure when German farmers actually harvest these foods and when they're being shipped in from other places. So the first step for me this month was finding a produce calendar that I'm going to use to help me plan what I cook. In this produce calendar, what I found for Germany is that in April, the pickings are pretty slim. At the same time, some of my favorite vegetables are in season right now. In April in Germany, you can get fresh German produced spinach, asparagus, leeks, pori, and mushrooms. Mushrooms are actually available all year in Germany. In addition, there are many vegetables, particularly root vegetables, that can be harvested earlier in the year and then stored so that they can be available in an environmentally friendly way from local producers. Produce that fits this category includes carrots, parsnips, potatoes, beets, red and white cabbage, and onions. So the next time you go to the grocery store, these are the good things, the green light, climate-friendly types of produce that I urge you to buy and cook with. Other things you can do is shop at farmer's markets. Here, only seasonal produce will even be available at a farmer's market. You can also eat at restaurants that serve local and seasonal food or join a CSA or Community Supported Agriculture. In the U.S., localharvest.org has a great list of CSAs, and in Germany, they're called Ökokisten or Abokisten, so something like a subscription box of produce. I've done a little bit of research into ones that are available in Berlin, and I hopefully am going to try to sign up for one in the next few weeks. But how did I do this week? So in the two weeks that I haven't recorded this podcast, I've thought of this moment of what am I going to say that I that I did for my my first week of this challenge. And the phrase that keeps coming back to me is the dog ate my homework again. I feel like I'm Mrs. Excuse here. But to me, that's also a bit of a teaching moment. So I don't want to get too personal, but um, my husband lost his father a few weeks ago. He then dislocated his knee, we think partly as his body's physical contribution to the grieving process. And then our son got scarlet fever. So I spent almost a week being a nursemaid to the two men of the house. And since then, I have been 
doing my darndest to get caught up on everything that I'm working on, which meant I didn't have time for my fantasy plan of going to a local farmer's market, regaling myself with all the amazing looking local produce, and then taking the time to leisurely select a delicious recipe that I would then be able to cook and prepare for my family. I didn't have time for any of that. What I did have time to do, since my son, even with scarlet fever, absolutely had to get out and see the day, I carried him around our neighborhood one day and went to the local organic supermarket where I bought potatoes and carrots and I cooked them. So these are some go-to dishes that I've made before and that I know how to make, so they're easy for me. The potatoes went into a freeze-dried corn chowder mix um, that was really, really good. I also made it with soy cream, so bonus points there. And with the carrots, this is a really easy recipe for kids. I just sliced them up into kind of carrot coins. I steamed them in our rice cooker, added a little bit of butter and seasoning salt, and they were done. So this was really easy. It's nice that I can usually get two meals out of it. The kid likes it. Parents like it. It's good stuff. And since carrots are available locally year-round, this is a pretty good low-carbon option for dinner. My original plan, if I had managed to record this episode the first week of April as I had wanted to, my original plan was to find time to go to the farmer's market and pick up local produce from there. Unfortunately, we're going to be spending the next two weekends uh, with my husband's family So I'm not sure that I'm going to have that much time to buy produce in Berlin and cook it. I'm going to be alone in Berlin a few days between those weekends. But anyway, that's perhaps a little TMI. What I can commit to is I'd like to take a step back from this challenge because in doing research after committing myself to this challenge on our carbon footprint related to how we eat, I came across quite a few scientific articles that said, you know what, transportation food miles don't matter as much as meat consumption. So this almost made me feel like my noble goal is the wrong goal. At the same time, I don't eat very much meat. I eat maybe four bites of meat a week. So I can't really save carbon emissions by eating less meat. There's not that much less meat for me to eat. Although I could challenge myself to be completely vegetarian for the month. At any rate, my challenge for next week is to think a little more carefully about this and come back to you also with a fuller picture of what goes into our carbon emissions in terms of what we put on our plate and what we put in our mouths. Watch this space. What's giving me hope this week? You may have noticed the new music in the opening. And that is my special gift to you for waiting two weeks for this new episode. This is a song from my friend David from Quince. And I asked him to help me with the music. And he sent me two songs that made me laugh out loud and tap my foot. The song that you hear, Die Sonne scheint für Oma. I got stuck in my head the whole first day after I listened to it. So I thought I would subject you all to that as well. The song is in German, as you have guessed, and what it means is the sun shines for free, nuclear power is for dummies. And I love the toe-tapping, happy tone of such a silly message, but a serious message. 
So I'm really excited to share them with you and I will let you hear a little bit more on the way out. Thanks for listening. For more links and information on seasonal agriculture, go to my website, myclimatediet.org. I'd also love to hear from you. So feel free to write me an email with your climate question or climate solution to lisa at myclimatediet.org. Rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts, share it with your friends, and consider starting a climate diet of your own. Also, this podcast is offered on Anchor, which offers a really interesting feature to its members. Membership is free, which is that you can record a message for me. So I would really, really love to test out this feature and hear from listeners who have started their own climate diet or who have some other climate solution that I haven't talked about. I'm not the expert here. I try my best, but I'd really love to hear what you're doing to help reduce your climate emissions and inspire others. Because if we were all to go on a climate diet, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Schäfer Hunger, Atomkraft ist für Dumme.